Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to gather with you today. Again, on this Sunday, this Lord's Day, we proclaim that Christ is risen and that he is worthy of our worship. Uh, and so wherever you are, uh, however you are worshiping God today, I just invite you to take time to um, just snap a, a quick photo of yourself or, or maybe the group that you're worshiping with and, and post it to our Facebook uh, page or to our Facebook group. That way we'll just see each other. We'll see uh, and celebrate the ways in which we're worshiping around uh, the city of Mountain Home. I just want to invite you to do that today uh, as a way of building community and as a way of reminding ourselves that we're not alone in our worship of Christ. We're not alone uh, even at home uh, isolated, but we gather in community to worship on this Lord's Day. It is so good uh, to be with you. Uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy times persist. Uh, this past week, uh, as, as you probably already know, um, our governor uh, issued a 21-day stay-at-home order. Um, and as, uh, uh, as a leader of this church and, and with your elected leadership, we have decided to take that seriously. Uh, and, and all that that implies, it means that there will not be gatherings um, at our facility. It means that we're doing our best to stay home as a staff. Um, as we stay home, uh, we just want to encourage you to do the same uh, as you are able um, to work from home, to stay at home. Um, please take this, this seriously. Don't put yourself or, or your family or your loved ones in a situation uh, that's going to pose a risk to them. Uh, and it's also a way that we say we love Mountain Home, to take this seriously and to not do anything that might uh, cause a problem for another, to cause a problem for our neighbors, uh, to cause a problem for uh, people uh, at risk in this community. So let's, let's just protect our, our community together uh, this week. Uh, according to the numbers, we have a long process ahead of us, a long ways to get through this, uh, and let's do our part uh, as a faith community. What that means, though, is that we're not at uh, the office uh, during the week, and so if you need to get a hold of us, there are ways to do that via email, via phone, and leaving a message. We'll check the, the church messages as often as we can, um, or just call us on cell phones and, and or Facebook Messenger. There's so many ways to communicate these days, uh, and we are doing our best to, to monitor those, those forms of communication. Today, as we, as we turn to Scripture today, uh, the lectionary keeps us in the, in the book of John. We're going to continue in the book of John and bounce between John and Luke a little bit through this season of Easter. But the book of John is full of, of imagery. It's, it's full of metaphor. It's, it's much less concerned with the chronology uh, of telling the story and, and much more about, about the, the meaning of the story. Uh, think of the first, first verses of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's revealed that, that Jesus was part of creation. And, and right from the beginning, we know who Jesus is. Uh, you know, think about Matthew. It starts with, his, it starts with uh, 
Jesus's genealogy and who his family members were and then moves to his birth and then him as a child growing up and then he began his ministry. Not John. John gets to the point for Jesus is the word. There's no surprise there. There's no holding out. Uh, it, Mark carries this concept of, of the messianic secret and wherever Jesus would go uh, and perform signs and wonders and miracles, Mark would say, make sure to not tell anybody or, or the, the gospel reports that Jesus would say, make sure to not tell anybody. Uh, but in John, uh, the, the imagery is rich and the writer is trying to, to tell us the meaning, tell, give us a picture of, of how this all works and why this is all important. And so as we look to the book of John, we look for those things. And so today I'm going to invite you to turn uh, to John chapter 11 in order to, uh, uh, to read the scriptures today. Uh, and again, the, the lectionary gives us this long passage to read, which I love. John chapter 11 has been said many times in these, these unprecedented and, and unsettling times that we find ourselves in. Scripture is our foundation and we turn to Scripture for hope and, and for uh, the familiarity of the stories and, and the picture of God that we find there. And so uh, we're going to read from John chapter 11 today, uh, verses 1 through 45. A certain man, Lazarus, was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. This was the Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sister sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, this illness isn't fatal. It's for the glory of God, so that God's Son can be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was. After two days, he said to his disciples, let's return to Judea again. The disciples replied, Rabbi, the, the Jewish opposition wants to stone you, but you want to go back? Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in the day? Whoever walks in the day doesn't stumble because they see the light of the world. But whoever walks in the night does stumble because the light isn't in them. He continued, Our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I am going in order to wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get well. They thought Jesus meant that Lazarus was in a deep sleep, but Jesus had spoken about Lazarus's death. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can believe. Let's go to him. Then Thomas, the one called Didymus, said to the other disciples, Let's go too, so that we may die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was a little less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to comfort Martha and Mary after their brother's death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, while Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my mother, excuse me, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. 
Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. After she said this, she went and spoke privately to her sister, Mary. The teacher is here and he's calling for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. He hadn't entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were comforting Mary in the house saw her get up quickly and leave, they followed her. They assumed she was going to mourn at the tomb. When Mary arrived where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and so said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying also, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to cry. The Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, he healed the eyes of the man born blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was deeply disturbed again when he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone covered the entrance. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead four days. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? So they removed the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing here, so, that they, so they will believe that you sent me. Having said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his feet bound and his hands tied and his face covered with a cloth. Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came with Mary and saw what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. The title of my remarks today um, I have come up with is this, Lazarus and a late God. <laughs> Lazarus and a late God. Have you ever been late for something? Uh, how do you respond? How, how, do you, how do you respond to that feeling of urgency, that feeling of, of being late? Now, I admit there, there are a variety of responses that I have, uh, depending on the circumstances. Um, but, but by and large, I hate being late. I can't stand being late. Um, uh, a story from my younger years uh, illustrates this. I was in Boise. I was serving uh, Boise First Church at the time, now called Tree City, and commuting back and forth between Nampa uh, and Boise. And, and there was this day that um, I had a class and something had held me up uh, at, at the church where I was working. And, and I, I knew I was going to be cutting it close. I was, I was just right on the verge of, of being able to get back to, to school in time. Um, and had, had hit the freeway and was coming down um, kind of past and through Meridian, kind of in that space between Meridian and Nampa. Uh, and there was a wreck. There was a wreck in the freeway and, and there was uh, no traffic movement whatsoever. It was stacked up back to ba back to back, bumper to bumper, all the way across. Um, and so I, I was feeling that urgency. I was feeling that pain of being late and I didn't want to be late. I did not want to miss class. I, 
uh, this this was important to me and and I wanted to to, to get there. I don't remember the circumstances of, of why this was <laughs> so urgent this day, uh, but I, I worked my way over to the to the left-hand lane and I saw one of those turnarounds that says emergency for emergency vehicle use only. Kids, don't try this at home. Don't try this anywhere. Uh, <laughs> so I, I flipped around because I knew I could get off in Meridian and take some of the back roads to get to Nampa. Well, I flipped around, started moving and looked in the rearview mirror and saw red and blue lights. Uh, got pulled over and got issued a, a hefty ticket for not using those, those turnarounds properly. They are not the right of the public. <laughs> <laughs> to use those um, and that feeling of urgency that feeling of, of of being late and hating it so much that day cost me cost me quite a bit of money uh, I didn't make class that day I was so discouraged and so frustrated uh, I just I just went home <laughs> I didn't even attempt to go to class Jesus doesn't respond to being late like I did. Jesus doesn't respond in the same manner uh, when he was delayed, when he was late to the news of finding out that Lazarus was sick, that Lazarus was ill. This is it's really a remarkable text. We have this sibling group of, of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now, now in our brains, we have kind of this idea of Mary and Martha. Their story is really uh, well known. Uh, I, I remember hearing Bible stories of of Mary and Martha. Uh, but so we know a few things about this sibling group, right? Um, in the story of Mary and Martha, you have two responses, two very different and distinct responses to uh, the opportunity to to be with Jesus. Jesus had been invited into their home. You'll remember the story and, and Mary takes time to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and to talk to him and to learn from him uh, and to uh, just spend time with Jesus in that moment. At the same time, Martha's in the kitchen. Martha is preparing uh, details. Uh, I don't know if uh, I can't remember if a meal was being served or, or if the text tells us what she was doing, but, but Martha was busy with all these tasks uh, and kind of becomes uh, indignant, kind of becomes irritated that Mary wasn't helping uh, with the preparation and with the chores. Uh, and there's this exchange between Mary uh, or Martha and Jesus and, and, and Mary, Martha asks, aren't you going to have Mary help me, Jesus? Isn't, isn't that what she ought to do? Uh, and Jesus says, no, Martha, Mary has chosen uh, the better thing to just sit and to learn and to be in relationship. Um, this, this text uh, talks about the anointing of Jesus' feet by, by Mary. The interesting thing about that is in the Gospel of John, that hasn't happened yet. You have to flip over to John chapter 12 uh, before you see uh, this story told by the, the writer of the Gospel of John, uh, where Mary uh, washes Jesus' feet, anoints his feet with oil, uh, and dries it with her hair. So we hexed of, of who Mary, Mary and Martha are uh, and how they relate to Jesus. 
So, so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. They, they found out where he is and they say, come quick, Jesus. Uh, Lazarus is ill. Lazarus is deathly ill. Uh, and and he, he, he needs your healing touch. Would you please come? Please come back to help our brother, Lazarus. Uh, and Jesus gets word of this, but, but he doesn't seem too concerned about their request. He doesn't seem overly uh, urgent or, or, or responsive to the plea that they make. His, his, his response is not very urgent at all. And for two days, he, he continues to serve. He continues to be present in the place where he's at and finishes up um, whatever's going on there, continues to hang out at his current location. Uh, and, and kind of downplays the sickness when he's talking to his disciples. Oh, he's just asleep. Oh, it's no big deal. Um, it, it's not fatal is what it says. Um, and yet we discover by the end of the story that Jesus is, is certainly exaggerating there. Uh, by the end of the story, Jesus proclaims, Lazarus is dead and we're going to go uh, uh, and, and minister and serve uh, and be there. Uh, if you if you if you take a look at the disciples' responses, they're not too happy about this. They don't want to go see Lazarus either. They actually tried to talk him out of it um, before before they knew Lazarus was dead. He's like, man, we don't need to go there. Do you realize what just happened? Well, when you you flip back into John chapter 10, uh, we see Jesus leaving that area because he had just about, just recently almost been stoned uh, by the the Jews that, that were in that region. Um, he was not a... Uh, a welcome party. He had been stirring the pot. He had been teaching something new to these people that was not, not received well. Uh, and, and that had been the very reason that they had left town. That, that had been the reason that they, they went off into this, this new location. Uh, but even with the threat of being stoned, uh, G- Jesus doesn't show, show a whole lot of fear. Um, I, I don't know this. I, I don't. I can't speak with authority on this. But I have a theory of of Jesus's pause, of Jesus's delay, uh, and my theory is that is this: Jesus wanted to be present with the people he was with. He was the incarnation of God. He was here on earth to serve the people of God, to to be with those uh, who he was with in that moment, truly being there. And and for those two days, that's what he was doing. That's what he, that's what his mission was. That's what he intended to do during that time. There's, there's a lesson for us there uh, in these times, in this, in this crazy town time uh, of, of isolation. How, how do we be there for our community? How, we, how do we be there for our neighbors? <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw somebody, uh, a friend of mine, who uh, had made up toilet paper packages, uh, kind of wrapped in cellophane paper, tied with a ribbon, a little note that says, um, 
<laughs> we're, we're here to help you out, had, had written uh, some information saying, here's our phone number, we're just your neighbors. And she had just distributed it to the people uh, in her neighborhood. If, if you need anything, we want to be here for you. Um, that's us. That's our mission as the church. Uh, to, to be there and to be like Christ, that, that for two days, even in the, even in the circumstance uh, of, of a, a very serious illness, for one that he loved so much, Jesus took time, two days of time, to be with the ones that he was present with uh, before acting on this information that he had received um, that had been sent word to him by Mary and Martha. As Jesus goes and, and leaves the area that he was to go be with uh, Mary and Martha in Bethany um, to, the, to the place where Lazarus had, had died and was buried, um, we encounter some not very surprising circumstances. Uh, Martha is the first one to hear uh, that Jesus is coming. She probably had spies on the road. <laughs> Right? We have Martha, the one who's the taskmaster, the one who, who had things to do when Jesus was there. She probably had eyes out and was like, okay, I know he's going to come. When he comes, I want you to come, come find me. I don't know that for sure, but it, it seems consistent with who Martha is, right? And Mary is, is distraught. She's, she's weeping um, and, and uh, is, is sent to go see Jesus by Martha after Martha has already talked to him. In the story, uh, Mar Martha leaves uh, and, and it's, it appears no one follows. She had probably had tasks to do. She was probably, um, you know, checking off the boxes of things that needed to be done. And when she left the house, no, <laughs> nobody followed her. Did you catch that? She went and, and there's no record of, of any of the Jews who had come to, to be with Mary and Martha who go with her. And she's able to have this moment of time with Jesus kind of in private. Um, comes back and when she sends Mary, what happens? The Jew, it says the Jews who had come to comfort her went with her. Um, this distraught woman uh, was being cared for, for by these people. And she, she, brings, she brings a crowd. What's, what's r remarkable to me is, is that they're... Uh, conclusions are the same as they approach Jesus with no, no pre-planning. What do they say? They, 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 they reach out to Jesus and in their grief, they, they cry. If you had only been here, if you had only been here, if you, if you hadn't been late, what would that have meant for Lazarus? He would still be with us. He wouldn't have died. What's, what's interesting to me is that, that Jesus' responses to the two women are unique as well. For, for Martha, it, it's, it's almost a, a, a cognitive response, a, a lesson to some degree. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Um, what, what is said about those that die uh, who know and, and who know the way? And she has the right answers. Certainly he will be resurrected. Um, and certainly uh, these things will happen. But, but it almost comes across like a lesson. It's a chance for the writer of John to jump to these conclusions, to, to make this point and to, and to seal this metaphor. I am the, the resurrection. I am the life. But when Mary comes to Jesus... 
Jesus has this, this emotional response. This, this sense of, of feeling the weight of the grief in the moment. Tears, weeping. Isn't that just like Jesus, though? Isn't that just like the Lord in which we worship? That in those moments and for those people, God's responses to us are not the same. For he knows us too well. His response to us is personal. His response to us is, is poignant. It's, it's just what we need in the moment that we need it. You know, I, I think there's a lesson for us in that as well. That, that as the church, we can't have pat answers. We, we can't know in advance how we're going to approach every situation. It, it can't be the same for every one of our neighbors. Um, Paul writes that he has become all things to all people so that, so that some might be saved. I think Jesus is a great example here of of speaking to Martha in language that, that makes sense to her and meets her at her point of need and, wa- and was a source of encouragement. Uh, I don't think she fully understood what Jesus was saying and what Jesus intended in this moment. If, if at that moment Jesus knew whether or not resurrection was going to be Lazarus's outcome, it doesn't state that. Um, but what it does say is, do you believe he'll, he, he can come back to life? And Martha gives a very faithful answer. But for Mary, his whole approach is different. But we come here to, to one of the major points of today's message. Jesus is late. Jesus is too late. He's too slow. He didn't respond. He didn't save Lazarus. There's a sense in my heart today that, that Jesus is, is late showing up today. In this crisis, there, there are thousands of people feeling that right now, today. Jesus is too late. I checked the numbers last night. 2,000 people dead in the United States. Over 30,000 worldwide. The infection number reaching two, two-thirds of one million people, 666,000 people. And those people calling out to God, come now, we need you, God. Where, where are you? Have you been in this place? I know you've been in this place. Tragedy strikes uh, our world is tipped upside down. And, and we have these same feelings. God, where are you right now? Three years ago, during this season of the year, right before Easter, uh, my mom told our family, told us kids, that she had been diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, through the course of meeting with her oncologist, um, had decided to go after uh, aggressive chemo treatment. Uh, And after one session of of chemotherapy caught an infection, uh, landed her in the hospital. Uh, I was there when the doc said, the infection is being cured, but the the cancer is, is 
remains unchecked and has just grown during the course of her infection. She couldn't receive further treatments and the cancer had just exploded. Um, I was there when the choice was made to put her on hospice care. I was there the moment that she breathed her last breath. And I know that feeling. God, where were you? You're, you're late. You didn't show up. You didn't make it in time. And it's, it's in those moments that we begin to understand what we, what we believe about God. And those, those things that we, we truly believe about how he interacts with the world are really uh, defined most clearly for us. Have you heard of this term? Have you heard of the term, the passability of God? What, what does that mean? Well, what is the passability of God or the impassibility of God? Um, it, all, it all revolves around this question. Does what we do or what we say have an effect on God? If, if you believe in the passability of God, then you say, it does. It has an effect. Most Wesleyans believe that, that we have a, a passable God, a God who, who feels and, and cares, a God that is empathetic and feels what we feel. Uh, there's some theologies and some theologians that, that prefer a God that, that is transcendent, that is the same all the time, a rock. Nothing, nothing surprises him. Um, um, nothing changes who God is and how he reacts. Both cases are supported biblically. Uh, God's the same yesterday, today, uh, and forever. Um, th there are passages like this that more lend support to a God that, that deeply feels and, and deeply experiences things with us. Um, we're, we're not an impassable uh, theology in, in most Wesleyan uh, circles. This, the passage of scripture that we've read today is part of why Jesus wept. It was my first memory verse. Uh, maybe some of you memorized that as well. Um, Jesus wept. Truly felt this moment. His friend had died. His friend's sisters weeping because if he had just shown up in time. Well, we, we get to, to move on to the rest of the story. Maybe you've heard that, uh, Paul Harvey and the rest of the story, right? Jesus goes to the tomb. He asks for the stone to be removed. Um, there's all these objections. Oh, Jesus, he's, he's been dead four days. It's going to smell awful. This is not a good idea. Um, but Jesus says, it is firm and says, the glory of God is about to be revealed. Let's, let's do this. And so the people oblige, the stone is rolled away. Jesus says a prayer uh, and says, as Lazarus, come, come out. And, and Lazarus kind of hops and stumbles his way out, all bound up. Um, and, and Jesus says, untie him. There's a, there's a translation that says, remove his grave clothes. Remove his grave clothes. He, he doesn't belong in the grave anymore. He's, he, he's, he's out of the grave. Remove his, his grave clothes. There's a, there's a whole sermon 
in taking off the grave clothes. There's a whole, there's a whole sermon in, in when God resurrects us, when God transforms us, we don't have to live that way anymore. That we, we don't have to, to act and respond to people with anger. We don't have to, to live and make, make lifestyle change choices that, that look like the world any longer. There's a whole, there's a whole sermon there. Uh, I'm, I'm preaching a different one. We'll, we'll preach that one a different, a different time. But, but Lazarus is no longer a part of the grave, but he's part of the living and it's time to free him from those grave clothes. Because I don't have time to preach that sermon, I'll, I'll just stick with this one. But, but what about when God is late? I, I don't know what it has been like for you, but in those, those moments where, where I, I most fervently am affected by the lateness of God, when, when he, he doesn't show up, when, when God doesn't come through, with my most urgent, my most fervent prayers. These are the moments that I can get distracted, that, that my eyes are pulled off of, of the goodness of God, that my eyes are pulled off of, of who we worship and, and why we worship Jesus Christ. These are the moments when, when I, I'm caught up in myself, the life of the flesh. Do you remember that video uh, just, just earlier of, of Jimmy reading scripture earlier in this service? But what did Romans say? It said, life in the flesh, that selfish part of me, wants now. Wants that immediate gratification. Oh, the work that parents put in to say, we can do that, but not now. Oh, the, the, the work that, that we, we have to help our kids understand um, how to live unselfishly. It, it, it's a, it's a uh, God is late and where was God and this didn't turn out my way and, and it, this didn't turn out the way it was supposed to feeling. Scripture says that, that that kind of life, that kind of belief, that kind of expectation of God is, is hostile to God. It does, it does not submit to God. But verse 9 in what Jimmy read said this, You are not self-centered. You're not the center of the universe. You understand you are a transformed people. That's not who you are anymore. We don't live that way. We are new creations in Christ, for he has transformed us. He has made us new today in our life and in our walk with Christ. There are other times when, when we feel God is late and he's just with us. And we feel that. And God sits beside us. And he, and he holds us. And he weeps with us. Just like he did with Mary. He, he sits down. The truth about, uh, truth about this story is that the world isn't full of Lazarus stories. This isn't the norm. This isn't usually how it works out. The stone usually isn't rolled away. And the dead body doesn't come back to life. Or the disappointment isn't realized. 
the opportunity that we, we thought we had and that we had prayed for doesn't land in our lap. Most of the time, that's not the end of the story. The dead aren't called forth. The stone isn't rolled back and the grave clothes aren't removed. What do we do then? That is when we head back to verses 25 and 26 and we hear Jesus loudly proclaim, I am the life. I am the resurrection. Believe in me and you will live even in death. The truth is, if we choose to walk with God, if we choose to, 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 to devote our life to Him, devote our time to Him in this life, then God says we get to walk with Him even after death. If we humble ourselves, if we confess our sins, if we repent of our sinful ways, leaving those grave clothes behind, leaving those bad habits, leaving the way the world lives and saying, I want to live a new way. Then we become those new creations justified by God and heirs of the grace that are intended for the children of God. Praise God. And like I said, I, I've been kind of disturbed this week. God, where? Where are you? What, what is going on? Why this rampant spread? Why is this something we are encountering in, in, in this way? Uh, we now have more cases than, than any other country around the world. We are also the fastest growing country. If you take a look at the number of new cases each day, our number has been significantly higher most days than in the other country. God, where are you? You're late. I don't believe God controls us. I don't believe God can control us. I believe God has given up the right to control my actions. Why? Because God loves me and he gave me, gave me that ability to, to have my own agency and to, and to make my own choices. God loves us enough to set us free. And in that freedom, particularly in this incredible nation of America, uh, we're, we're kind of used to, to doing what we want when we want it, right? <laughs> the evidence is kind of all around us. This, this stay-at-home order is horrible for some of us. For all of us. But I will tell you this. I have this great hope today. I have this great hope today that, that the church is faithful enough. That the church is faithful enough to hear the words of Jesus today. When he says this. I am the resurrection and the life. I, I am sufficient for your needs. I, I will come through. You can count on me. There is a day that will be cause for celebration. Our hope is, is not contingent upon circumstance. Our hope is not contingent on circumstance. We, we don't hope only if Lazarus comes forth. What do we believe? Our hope is contingent simply on Christ and nothing else simply on Christ, simply contingent upon Christ himself 
and nothing else. And we realize this God who has appeared kind of late in this story that we read in the Bible and kind of late in this story that we're encountering today was indeed never late at all, but right beside us, mourning with us, crying with us, leading us, guiding us, experiencing all of those emotions, some who battle with anxiety, some who are fearful, some who are worried, some who are depressed. God was with us all the time. And in this Lent, as we sit in the shadow of the cross, as we prepare this year for Easter, we rejoice that God laments with us, even as we ask the question, where were you? And we rejoice that God is big enough to handle our toughest questions. May you be assured today that God is present with you. And that presence is sufficient for you today. It makes all the difference. Would you pray with me? Oh God, today we offer our lives again to you. There, there, there are real disappointments that we face. There are moments where it feels like you're late and, and you haven't shown up and you haven't made the difference that we expected. And those moments are hard, God. But would you make us faithful? Would you teach us again the lesson that you gave to Martha? For you are the resurrection and the life today. And in that resurrection and in that life, there is great hope for us today. Hope that is not dependent upon circumstance. Hope that isn't rattled by, by this outcome or that outcome. But a hope that is persistent. Because it is simply conditional upon you. And you're with us the whole time. Even when it feels like you're late, we understand and come to realize that you are beside us, weeping with us, experiencing all of this with us. Would you give us a picture of that? Would you help us to see and to know that? Would you encourage our hearts today? And in turn, may we be encouragement for one another. May we be light and hope and life to our neighborhoods, to our neighbors, to our community, God. And oh, someday we'll roll back the stone and we'll be able to gather again as the church to celebrate and to lift high the name of Christ today. It's so good to be with you, even in this altered format. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for being here, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.